When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jay Scott from The Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast, flying solo on the introduction here for our latest episode of the New Music Spotlight, featuring Mark LaBelle from the band Dirty Honey. Excited to present this interview to all of you. It is a band that I've been into now for a while, at least about a year and a half, uh, as I mentioned in the interview with Mark a great blues-based rock band. If you like Led Zeppelin, if you like ACDC, you're definitely going to like this band. Just got a great sound, a great vibe to them. They definitely are part of the new wave of rock and roll. I think they're here to stay. I believe they are here to stay. They just have a great sound, a great uh, a great presence. I'm looking forward to seeing them on their tour that was just announced, I believe it was yesterday or Tuesday, sometime this week. And it's with the UK band The Amazons, which is really awesome. And I'll tell you why. Because not only do you get to see a great new rock band from Los Angeles, Dirty Honey, you get to see a band from the UK that's awesome as well the amazons and the reason why it's so unique is because a lot of new uk bands or bands from the uk don't get over to the states as much as they did in years past it's just the travel expenses are a lot and they just really don't think that they're going to get back the money that they're putting out with expenses and it's unfortunate to hear that because there's a lot of great bands in the UK. The Amazons are definitely one of them. Massive Wagons, you know, Riders Creed, Takeaway Thieves, you know, I can name a whole list of bands, Temperance Movement, that are just out there right now that haven't been given the opportunity to come over to the States. Temperance Movement was with Tyler Bryant this past summer, which was really cool. And that was a really cool show. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something that doesn't happen often to get a, a young UK band touring clubs here in the United States. And the fact that they're going to be doing it with Dirty Honey is even way cooler because it's going to be really exciting. And don't use the excuse that, you know, oh, I don't, you know, they, they, they're, they're a new band. I'm not really sure about new music. Here's what you do. Just go out and take a chance. I'm looking at most of the ticket prices for these gigs, and it's like $20 and under. So there is no excuse for you to take you and a friend, you and a girlfriend, you and the wife, the husband, whatever. Go see two kick-ass young bands, especially if you are of the people that think new rock music isn't very good. I challenge you. Okay, I'm laying down the gauntlet. Go see these two bands. It's going to cost you next to nothing. Okay, it'll cost you have dinner at home, right? Or go out and you know splurge and have a cool dinner at some place you haven't been to, and you've been hearing people talk about it, and you want to go try it. Or you know what? If you want to save some money, order a pizza before you go, cook some dinner at home, but go see two great bands. 
If you go to a movie on a Friday night and you get popcorn and you get a drink and you buy tickets, you're going to probably spend more, more money than going to this show. Okay? And I don't want to hear the excuse that ticket prices are outrageous. Okay? Yeah, if you want to go see Motley Crue and Def Leppard this summer, you're going to spend a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of other tours that are going to be a lot of money. But I promise you that you will enjoy seeing two young bands at the infancy of their careers. I think that'll be really cool for all you to do that, to go take a chance. Who's, who's really, you know, people who have really resisted listening to new rock, this is a great place to start. But as you'll hear in our interview with Mark, it was very engaging. You know, we, we talked about the history of the band. We talked about the process of writing and recording, you know, what they've been doing in terms of preparing for the next step. And what the future is. And it's it's a great interview. Um, really enjoyed it. If you haven't gotten the EP yet, go and get it. Order it online. Stream it. Do whatever you need to do. I know, I think they just finished up, or they're about to finish up with their tour right now. One more show at the Troubadour in West Hollywood. So for all you people out in L.A., go check them out. And they have a show in Lincoln, Nebraska on the 3rd and Des Moines, Iowa on the 4th, which I think is the week after Thanksgiving. I think that's correct. And then they start in January in Austin, Texas, with their headline tour with the Amazons. So you've got a lot of opportunities here. They're going to Texas. They're going to Louisiana. They're going to Florida. They're going to Tennessee, Maryland, Pittsburgh, or Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, New York, Michigan. they got, like, three dates in Michigan. Chicago, which I definitely will be going to. Milwaukee which I might be going to because I know my son wants to see him, and I think the Milwaukee show is an all-ages show. St. Louis, Kansas City, Denver, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles at the Ray Theater, which concludes the tour. And then they've got some, looks like some festivals or some radio station-sponsored shows in New Jersey and Maryland, Florida. But there's going to be a lot of opportunity to see Dirty Honey in the new year. And I want you guys to all accept that challenge. Or all those who think that new rock music isn't very good. Accept that challenge and go see a new rock band. This is a perfect place to start. They've got a killer EP out with some great songs. The new video, Rolling Sevens, is just an awesome song. Like I said, if you like ACDC, if you like Led Zeppelin, throw in a little bit of Aerosmith in there, throw in a little bit of... Rolling Stones, I think you'll dig them. As a rock fan, we have to do more. And you know I've been talking about it a lot lately on some of the shows that we've been doing. You've got to do more to support the new bands of rock and roll because there's some killer stuff out there. Don't rely on the fact that you heard a band 15 years ago that you didn't like, whether it was Third Eye Blind or whether it was Nickelback or who, who sang the song... Uh, all-Star, I can't even remember that name. You know, yeah, there was a lot of cookie-cutter bands 20-some years ago, 15 years ago, all right? That's all changed because I can tell you a handful, handfuls, several handfuls of bands that are just ripping it up and doing a great job. Dirty Honey is definitely one of them. So enjoy the interview. and I will say this. It was great for me because we got to talk about hockey. 
And this is the first time on my podcast that I've been able to talk about two of my favorite things, which is rock and roll and hockey. And that's why, if there's nothing else, that's why you should listen to this episode because it it um, it was awesome. And I, I, I was thankful for the opportunity to talk about just uh, the early part of the 2019-2020 NHL season. Mark has you know mentioned uh, that he played hockey as a youth in on the East Coast and how it developed him and how it what it meant to him and how it influenced him. And similar to where my son is at too, my son's uh, 14 years old and playing hockey since he was five. So it was a really cool connection that I found in the interview with Mark talking about hockey and talking about driving rinks with my son and just seeing you know the growth and development as not only an athlete but also as a person too as well so I thought that was really cool but I think you'll all enjoy the interview once again it's the new music spotlight and it features Mark LaBelle with Dirty Honey I I know you all will enjoy the interview and we will be back next week with another guest please enjoy the episode right now Hey everybody, what's up? It's Jay Scott from The Hook Rocks, your ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's having a great day. Today's guest is the singer from the band Dirty Honey. It is Mark LaBelle. How are you doing today, Mark? Good. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for coming on. I uh, thank you very much for doing this. I've been listening to Dirty Honey since last year when the song Fire Away came out. And then with the EP at the beginning oh, God of it. Yeah. Um, so I've been uh, in you guys for a while. The new EP is an absolute gem uh, filled with some great, great songs. And love the song Rolling Sevens, the latest video. Love the whole EP. Can't say enough about it. Thanks, man. Yeah, we, um, you know, we wanted to come out of the gates with something that was, um, you know, not that was without filler, I guess you could say. So we did sort of a small EP release and, um, you know, recorded in Australia. And, uh, I think, um, you know, I think we, we achieved what we wanted to over there, which is, which was the goal, obviously. And I think we actually may have exceeded our own expectations. So, um, we were pretty happy with it. That's great. Um, we always begin every episode we have a new guest we always begin the same way we always begin with the same question and that is the essence of the podcast which is like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in every rock fan has a moment whether it's a song an album a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll what was it for you what hooked you yeah mine was actually um I had heard my dad and I, uh, when I was very little, um, I played hockey growing up and, and he popped in this, this cassette tape at the time. Um, 
permanent vacation. I think it was already pretty pretty old at the time that I that I heard it. Um, but it was permanent vacation by Aerosmith, and that had like Ragdoll on it, and Just Like a Lady, and Magic Touch, and Hearthstone Time, and some really great, you know, late '80s rock stuff. And then um, my stepdad actually popped in Toys in the Attic. Um, it, they must have been within a couple weeks of each other, and I just remembered that, you know, obviously that sweet emotion and walk this way. And that's like one of the great, greatest rock records of all time. But I remember looking at, um, the cover and seeing these like wings, this Aerosmith wings logo and putting together. This was, even though they sounded completely different, this was the same band. And, um, I fell in love with Aerosmith like pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and then I started up collecting all their CDs and, um, you know, was fortunate enough to meet them uh, before my first concert. So that was uh, that was the sort of catalyst of my love for rock and roll, and it was it was uh, a mild obsession uh, of my childhood, to be honest. So where did it go from there? I mean, you started out with Aerosmith. You know, who made you want to want to play music? Um, you know, I think it was that typical thing. You know, you're starting off. Um, you know, just kind of singing along and, and then, you know, you sort of realize my best friend growing up played the drums and, um, another buddy, you know, got into guitar and we just started jamming at his house and that turned into playing at the local talent show or whatever. And, you know, you, you fall in love with it. My first gig ever was at the local talent show. There was like 700 people there or something like the whole school was there. So, um, it was a pretty intoxicating environment. Um, needless to say, and uh, you know, from that point on, you're always chasing that sort of performance high. At a general in Russia, you get stepping out of the state. But um, you know, there there were other artists, man, that really like inspired me, from Tom Petty to the Stones, and then you know, you, you discover that Zeppelin, obviously, and that uh, all those things start to make you really curious about music and art and, and that's sort of where my, my brain started going to um, probably around 10 or 11 years old. Was there a moment or was there an artist, a song that catapulted you into wanting to write music? You know, you have the influence of, of opening yourself up to rock, then you want to, you know, play the music. Was there an artist or a song that said, hey, you know what, I want to write something like that. I, it really moved me. It connected with me. I think I can do that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, all the Aerosmith stuff made me, it, 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 those were the sort of first songs I learned on guitar. And uh, I started playing guitar really young. I never really took it all that seriously. But, you know, I could I could play the main riffs for like ACDC and Aerosmith and, and Zap. And then the soloing was a whole other uh, challenge. But, um you know, I think once you start learning riffs and then you start sort of screwing around and creating your own things and, you know, they're not awful. And then I could always sort of pull the tune um, vocally. And I remember uh, even like the first, it was probably the second song that I ever wrote. Um, I still think it's actually okay today, uh, which is which is pretty rare. Um, but yeah, those... those those sort of riffs accidentally, you know, as you're practicing that, that come up and, you know, you're like, Oh, this isn't too bad. You, you sort of start to collect those and start writing on top of them and they become songs pretty quickly. You know, they're not amazing, but, um, you know, if you work at it and you try and make things better and 
over over a long period of time, you come up with some stuff that's great. So now you grew up on the East Coast, and then you made the move to Los Angeles. What? Yeah. What was the the motivation for that move? Was it for music? Was it you know for for the arts? What was it? What was the basis for that move? It was mostly just change of scenery. Um, you know, I, I wanted to work in like film production or something. I knew I I knew I had a strong interest in the entertainment industry, and you know, I I, I moved out uh, trying to work in like advertising or something, you know, just any, I just want need to get any sort of job. And I wound up like waiting tables and shit just to pay the bills. And, you know, I had a buddy out there in LA who was like, come, come live with me, man. I got a spare bedroom and paid him 500 bucks a month. I got to live on the beach and it was pretty nice. And then, uh, my buddy, my best friend went to the USC jazz school and was really tight with a bunch of musicians and he was just like, I think you should be singing, man. Like, there's nobody out here doing style that, that you can deliver. So, like, there's a void. And if, if you just book some paid gigs, some really good musicians will, will play with you. So, I can help you out. And, and he, he really was a huge help at the beginning. And then, yeah, that just sort of started my journey playing in bars and clubs. And people, you know, sort of asking, like, who's this kid that can sing, you know, Robert Plant, Stephen Tyler, like, you know? You moved out to LA. You you know were singing in clubs, doing all that. How did Dirty Honey come about? How did that form? What's the history of the band there? Yeah, I met John uh, playing at a club. He just came and sat in on, on a gig I was doing, and thought he was a great player and looked cool, and you know checked all the boxes of a rock guitarist. And um, you know I just started chatting and got off pretty well, and decided we were going to start an original thing. And you know it, it took a long time really to find the right piece of the puzzle. And, he met Justin, you know, uh, a little while later and brought him into the fold and, and Justin brought Corey to the fold. So that whole process took a little while, but um, once we had a drummer, you know, that, a real drummer that wanted to be in a band and do the thing, um, that was the start of it all. Now, you guys had the session where you, rec- you, know, you know, recorded the first material. You, you mentioned that was in Australia? Yeah, we, we made the EP in uh, Byron Bay. Now, what was the decision to go out there and do that? Why, why Australia? We uh, had Sky Paul's producer, who's really cool, really knowledgeable, but um, at the same time, you know, we, we had great chemistry with him over Skype and felt like he really understood us. And then, um, you know, it was just cost effective to go there, honestly, even though it sounds kind of insane. We got to work in the studio for free, got to work with a great producer. And then, you know, we went kind of in the offseason, so flights were only like 600 bucks. And, um, just got an Airbnb and we went there for two weeks and, and got it done. So it was pretty affordable considering what studio costs in LA are, you know? And what is the writing process? What's the creative process for Dirty Honey? Does each member bring their own ideas in? Do you guys collaborate, you know, in the studio when you have session time? How does that all work? It could be anything. Um, honestly, like, you know, this new song we've been playing at the show started, had a riff from soundcheck like six months ago and then i sort of i just sort of plumbed something into my phone when i was walking around new york city and it, it sort of worked with the other riff and you know it, it could be anything i mean down the road was something i've been playing for a long time when i'm gone um was a riff that john started um you know it was a completely different song 
a while back, um, maybe like three years ago, it was a completely different song. Um, and then we had this chorus from another thing that sort of really worked well with When I'm Gone, and I'm glad that aha moment sort of happened and made the song what it is today, obviously. That's uh, been a, a big part of our success. And then uh, Rolling Sevens was kind of everybody in the studio, you know, testing out an idea, and then we go to Australia to finish it, and it, it really wasn't what it was until we got to Australia, you know, and, and the producer was like, this is really special, you know. It is. It definitely is. I mean, the, the, the EP really resonated with me, you know, being a fan of Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, you know, the influence that you talked about, and you can hear all that in your music, definitely does connect all those dots together and also offers, you know, your own modern sound to it as well. I mean, it's not like it goes back yeah. to what it was. It, it definitely touches on those influence, but it's pretty fresh and it's pretty modern in terms of what's going on right now in rock and roll. Yeah, thank you. I think that was yeah, the intent. You know, I think if there's a great drummer once told me that if you any four like unique sounding musicians, if if they just be themselves, it's almost impossible to sound like anybody else, right? Um, you go back to like any of the great bands, sort of the recipe from the Who to the Stones to Aerosmith to Zeppelin to Queen, like you have really identifiable guitar sounds identifiable singers and while they might be reminiscent of you know some people they're not identical and then you you add those other qualities of uniqueness into the fold and you come out with something like clean you know like they they're innovative and using everybody as a singer for those harmonies and stuff and they really created their own thing and um but it's still just guitar based drums and vocals you know most of the time piano here and there like it's, it's the same recipe, but it's just down to uniqueness that makes it fresh, right? So that's sort of what we were going for. I mean, we're a four-piece rock band, and, um, you know, there's going to be similarities for sure. But so long as you're not, you know, doing like a cover thing or like a tribute thing, it's almost impossible to be, um, you know, identical to anybody else. And I think a lot of our, our influences peek their head out, you know, from time to time, but it's still, yeah, like you said, it's still fresh, which is cool. What was the process once you had the material to record to get that out to the people, to perform? What type of development did you guys go through in terms of playing live, playing in clubs? I think the development um, as songwriters and especially as performers happened before any of you know, any of like the commercial stuff took place, right? Like we already knew like we could play live before the record came out. That's that was our bread and butter forever. We played four or five hour gigs in LA all the time, you know, two, three times a weekend and went over, went over crowds like three, you know, if you play at a bar for four hours, like you're going to have a new crowd every set essentially that you, you play. So you, you got to win them over every time. And like, we kind of knew how to do that already. Um, and really like the focus had to shift from, okay, like let's now focus on songwriting instead of like performing, you know, a cover better or whatever, or, you know, once you start experimenting with songs in a live environment, if you're really dialed into like what the audience is thinking or doing, or if they can, if they're visibly like dancing or if they can feel something, 
um, you know, you take note of that and you, you know you're on to something. Rolling Sevens was something that we, we did that with. Uh, we played it live at a bar up next to, like, I don't know, some Zeppelin song, and people fucking freaked out. And, like, the whole crowd was dancing and just really jiving along to the tune. And, you know, once you shift your focus from, okay, let's, let's start focusing on songwriting here, a lot of things start to change, which is cool. So um, that, that all... The live part was already there. It was more of a songwriting, you know, from everybody's standpoint, really. Yeah. You know, I've, I've read interviews in the past of other artists. You know, an interview that I, I always think about is one with David Lee Roth, where he talks about the amount of time and hours Van Halen spent playing in front of people before they were, they became after the debut record. I mean, they, they played so many clubs in LA, they played so many parties, they did all these things. And it really was honing their craft and what a lot of people don't see once a debut album comes out, right. Or a debut EP in the case of dirty honey is the amount of time that that band has worked to get to that level and become the cohesive unit that, they become as a band. Yeah. You know, when a lot of bands come out like spitting fire right out of the gate, but you know, there were years, you know, the Beatles are a classic example, right? Nobody knew about their struggle in Germany before they went on Ed Sullivan. This amazing band just like popped on the scene, but you know, they put their 10,000 hours in and that's what it takes. Man. Like, it takes hours. It takes time. It takes a lot of thought and practice to get anywhere in life unless you're extremely lucky so yeah. um, you know we put that time in sure so you guys are on tour right now you're doing you know club dates you know all over the country and you've had some opening slots some festivals what's been the the biggest surprise for Dirty Honey for you Mark um, as you go through all these dates and go through all these tours and have all these experiences <laughs> Um, I just think like the, the biggest surprise and it's been a, a great one to experience is everybody's so thirsty for rock and roll again. That's, that's the best thing, you know? Um, but I think, uh, you know, I think there's a whole sort of wave happening of new young rock bands and, um, you know, the crowds are getting younger and younger and it's, it's fucking cool, man. It's cool to be part of something that, you know, is, socially relevant and I think people are um, I just think people are excited again for something that's raw and organic and comes naturally you know it makes them feel something in music I think I think people that whole EDM thing not my scene but I think people felt something with it you know and <clears throat> whether it's a sense of community if everybody's doing Molly and dancing and, and having a good time you know there's still a sense of community there and I think um while it may have been a much smaller rock community um, the past 10 or 20 years or whatever, I think, you know, that's sort of, sort of bubbling under the surface and it's, it's coming out right now. And, you know, bands like Bad Flower and Joyous Folks and Goodbye June are, you know, helping to, uh, helping to quench that thirst of rock and roll again, which is cool. I agree. You know, I, I do these new music spotlights to, to showcase new bands, and there's so many new great rock bands that are out there. The The thing that um, I, I've noticed is the connection to the younger crowd. You know, I have a 14-year-old son who 
you know, in between hockey practices and hockey games, you know, is, is listening to rock music with headphones, you know, as we're driving to different rinks all over. And his friends are listening to it, you know, in the locker room. And I feel this sense of a wave building in rock and roll. You mentioned some great bands. There's so many other bands that are out there right now as well. I think Dirty Honey fits perfectly yeah. into this wave of new music. And I think people are hungry for it. You know, as someone who's, you know, in, in their mid-40s, to hear bands that are playing music like you guys are is exciting. My, my Yeah, quest- and I think it's, it's, it's so cool, man. Like, there's, uh, you know, I, I hear it. You know, I, I'm a huge hockey fan, too. But, you know, I hear, um, we, we've heard our music at, uh, I think it was at, like, a lightning game or something in Tampa. And uh, just to hear like, rock and roll, like getting played through the arena speakers again, and certainly incredible to get gets played at some uh, arenas and stuff too. And it's like, fuck yeah! And what else is there? Like, it, there's been nothing new coming out of these speakers so long. And it's like I just want to, I want to hear arena rock again. It's really, it's really cool. It's refreshing to hear. As a new band, the landscape has changed for new artists, for new rock bands, right? You have to have a presence on social media. You have to really connect with the younger fan. What is the strategy for Dirty Honey? How do you guys go about doing that? How do you guys keep that all organized? Jeez, I mean, I, I don't even, I'm, I'm so far removed from that. I just, <laughs> we get posed like, um, we get posed like, questions about you know hey do you guys want to post this this or this we do have like a social media i guess uh manager you know at our management company um he's like the day-to-day manager but uh you know he just presents us with stuff and we sort of okay it or don't okay it and there's certainly like a schedule of when to post stuff and you know we try to stick to that as best we can but um for the most part yeah i'm i'm I was really hands on with that, you know, because I, I ran the Instagram account and stuff before everything like this, you know, before all the success started happening. And, um, it was really hard to like give up that control a little bit. And, um, you know, I still post on the stories and stuff all the time. I'm, I'm pretty active with that sort of thing, but I, you know, there's, there's social media is changing all the time. So much. it's hard to keep, keep up with it. Like I know there's like TikTok is like an app now that really young kids are using and Snapchat was I was on a flight one time where there was like a, a school of like middle schoolers on the, on the plane and it was everybody had a cell phone everybody had the iPhone and they were all Snapchatting to each other on the plane yeah. they weren't even talking to each other they were Snapchatting each other and giggling and I was like what the hell is going on here this is so new to me and so crazy and so young that I'm I'm, I'm completely removed from it I'm by no means am I old you know like it was just and then, you know, now Snapchat's become somewhat obsolete. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I've often it's, had that conversation. It's always a struggle, man. It's, yeah, I've often had that conversation with my son. Like, you know, if you can have a conversation when you get older, you'll always have a job. You'll always have a place. You know, because I see, like, what you see. Totally. I see kids sitting next to each other, Snapchatting or texting. And I'm just, it, it just, I'm like, put it down and talk to each other. Have a conversation. Have something real, you know, have something tangible. It, uh, yeah, and you know what? My dad was in sales, and, and he worked really hard. Um, you know, playing hockey is not a not a cheap thing, you know, to, to go into, obviously. And, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with my dad on the road playing hockey, and, and he was a salesman and always talked to everybody, and, and everybody 
really liked him. He's always very witty and very conversational and nice to everybody. And I picked up a lot of that from him. And my mom was also in sales too. So, you know, I'm, I'm the byproduct of two parents that are in sales and sort of always like on, you know, so I, I tend to come off, I think more social than most people. And I think, you know, hockey too helps. You're traveling all the time. You're, you're ordering food at restaurants, you're interacting with adults, you're interacting with your teammates who are also, you know, very young and, and, exposed to all the same things right so you know i i think that helps socialize you more than you know maybe some of their peers that that don't you know that just sort of stay in in town and, and interact only with their parents and you know their teachers you know it's it's a little it's a way to get your kids out into the world a little bit yeah i think that's a really unique experience too i see with my son my son's been playing since he was five and you know, I see him out there practice yeah. with his teammates. You know, you fall, you get back up. Your teammates fall, they get back up. And they all support each other because they all go right. through the same thing. They all go through the same stages of development. And it's very unique because, you know, where, hockey, where are you guys? Where is he growing up? Um, outside of Chicago. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we were, he just, oddly enough, just suffered a season ending knee injury a couple of weeks in Colorado. So. We're kind of, oh, no. yeah, we're dealing with that right now. And uh, we got, we actually have an MRI later today and, and we'll see what the extent of the damage is, but um, you know, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens in the next course of action. But um, we're kind of bummed about that right now, that but is no good. yeah, but yeah, sorry to hear about that. Let's yeah. Talk. But you know, he's, his spirits are great. You know, he's like, you know, it's like, well, let's, we'll figure out what we got to do. And, and you know, I got to get back out on the ice and I'm like, We'll we'll see what happens, but I like the fact that he you know still wants to work at it and still continue on. He even said he's like, Dad, I've been playing since I was five years old. Well, what else am I going to do? You know, so um, yeah, you know. But like what you just said there, you guys go to you guys go to Colorado and you're from Chicago, and it's like you know I, I never I never went I went to Colorado to play lacrosse oddly enough, um, you know, and that was my first time out there, and I was like, this place is awesome. Like I could see myself living here, and it's just a you know, obviously I went all over the Northeast playing hockey, but, um, you know, you just, you sort of start to figure out what, what you like, where you like, and, you know, going to Montreal, you know, when I was very little and, and spending a night, you know, with a family in Montreal that speaks a completely different language and has a completely different culture. It's just another example of, you know, just figuring myself out a little bit. It's, you know, you're evolving as a person, even at the youngest of ages, right? I mean, the more experiences you have, I, I travel a lot with my son. He plays hockey, he plays guitar, he likes, you know, stand up comedy, he likes all these, he has all these interests, and he has so many passions. And it's great because he has the ability to choose from those passions as he gets older about which one he wants to focus on. He sounds a lot like me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you know he's uh, he's just a tenacious kid, and, and you, might, you might be in for an interesting ride here. <laughs> you know, and and it's what's funny too is because he's exposing me to new rock bands too. He's like, Dad, check this band out, check this band out. You know, and he's you know I, right. he, he reminds me of myself because I can hear the vibration of the bedroom door as he's got his stereo you know blaring and. You know, I feel bad when I got to tell him to turn it down, but, you know, it's like I've become my father yeah. now, you know, and, and uh, but I'm like, the music's still good. It's not like I'm telling him not listen to it. I mean, he listens to some good stuff. So that's always a positive as well. Yeah. No, that's so cool. And, you know, I, I learned a lot of the same, like, I know 
so much random music just from being in the car and listening to those long trips, you know, and uh, tuning into whatever radio station is in that city and getting exposed to that. And certainly there's a lot of Howard Stern going on, you know, in my car when we were driving four or five hours to whatever game. So, um, yeah, it was, I wouldn't change a thing, honestly, for my childhood. It was pretty fun. That's awesome. Back to uh, back to Dirty Honey really quick. I know we only got a few moments here, but what's next for you guys? What What is the future? What's 2020 look like? Uh, it looks like a tour in January, February, and then um, I think we're going over to Australia again to record and do some gigs out there and maybe even hit Japan. And then, um, you know, if we're going to be – we're booked, like, straight through July of next year. So there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of touring coming up, which is cool. We're happy to do it. And, uh, it's, it's actually like freezing right here and we're in Texas right now. And, uh, not too stoked about it being 32 degrees here. Um, you know, we, we love traveling and getting all over the country and performing. It's been awesome. So, um, a lot of touring is in the future, definitely uh, some new music, but, um, at the same time, we just started, you know, uh, we just released Rolling Sevens as a single. So we got a lot of work to do on that. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of radio stuff to do and a lot of press coming up. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go for it, man. We're, we're here, uh, we're here to stay, hopefully not uh, a little flash in the pan. So I definitely think you guys are here to stay. Um, the new music from you guys is great. The, you know, the future looks bright for you guys. I'm looking forward to new music. As far as touring, is it going to be just you guys doing, you know, clubs? Um, or is, are you guys going to be hooking on to a tour? What's, what's the story with that? Can you share anything? Yeah. January, February is going to be a headline tour with, with another band that we're really pumped about. Um, I don't know if that's released yet, so I'm not going to tell you, but, um, it's a band from the UK that, that we love and have, they've, they've seen us a couple of times and we've seen them a couple of times and, you know, fortunately our schedules to, um, you know, let us allow us to go on tour together. So we're pretty pumped. Last question, probably the most important question of the interview, Mark, is who do you see in the Stanley Cup this year? Oh, well, I mean, I'm a big Penguins fan, so, um, I would always like to see them there, but, uh, man, that's a tough question right now. The Caps are looking pretty good. Um, the Penguins are always, you know, they're always there. They can always make a run. But, uh, if, if I had to, uh, if I had to pick one that I, that I would hope would be there, it's my boy, Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers. I got to see, I got, I would love to see Henrik get a cup. Yeah. I'm selfish and I would get the party, but, uh, yeah, I think he's he's the player that's in the league right now. Um, him or Joe Thornton, you know, they've been around for so long and they haven't gotten one yet. I would love to see either one of those guys. Absolutely. Get, get a real shot again and uh, raise yeah. the cup. Yeah, absolutely. And then you add in Panarin and Capo Capo, and, and uh, they got a nice little young core going on there. We'll see what happens. Anything can happen in the playoffs. My my uh, My pick out of the West, I think Nashville is finally going to get there. This year, I like their D, and then I think the Caps look strong, even though Holtby's kind of been shaky this year so far. I think he'll get back on track, but yeah. I, you know, I think, uh, like you said, I think the Caps are looking good, and, and I like the Preds because I like their depth on D. I took a look at the Caps, uh, you know, standings. It was probably yesterday, and holy shit, they've got, they're just blazing through. I think they have like two losses or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, and hope he's and not even at the top of his game. Kind yeah. of quietly. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So, they, yeah, they definitely look good. And uh, hopefully, uh, I was actually there when uh, Obi got to, got to win the cup uh, in Vegas. And um, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool, I got to say. Even though I actually like Obi, he's cool, even though him and Crosby have a thing. But he, he was awesome, man. I, seeing the cup raised live, there's nothing like it. Yeah, no, it, it, it's got to be a tremendous experience. I know we, we experienced a few of them here in Chicago over the last decade. And, and, um, oh, yeah. You know, that, um, that is actually what's, you know, started my son's interest in hockey is watching the 2010 Stanley Cup when he was five years old. And he's like, Dad, I want to do that. Wow. And, and, uh, and I'm like, All right, you know, and little did I know it was, incredibly expensive but hey you know you gotta you gotta push through it and, and he yeah. was able to you know keep playing it wasn't like a fad or anything like that he truly loves the game he's you know he's always on his ipad looking up hockey stats and telling me about this player and that player so he definitely got the passion good yeah and it's a good sport to to uh you know play well into your years like i play in la with a bunch of guys that are you know anywhere from 21 to you know I, I play with guys that are freaking 72 still out there on the ice you yeah. know it's all fun um it's great exercise and you know i love it i definitely love it it's one of those things where it's just if you step on the ice and go play for an hour an hour and a half you just clear your head and you know relieves you of all stress so it's cool man it's definitely a good thing well, all right, Mark. I appreciate you doing this. This was a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy listening to you guys. Looking forward to the future for what's you know uh, going to happen with Dirty Honey, and uh, looking forward to hopefully if uh, you guys are in Chicago in the in the new year, I definitely will be checking it out. We will definitely be there. And uh, yeah, pleasure talking to you too. And um, yeah, thanks for the love, man. We appreciate it. All right. Once again, this is Jay Scott of The Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everyone has a great day, and we'll chat again soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 